This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. Welcome to the Informer Daily. I'm your host, Dina Curie. When I was a kid, I was very much, you know, on the outside. You know, I wasn't part of the the clique at school, Mm -hmm. you know, desperate to belong, you know, to the fashionable, you know, kids at school. Um, uh, And I think maybe that's also that's part of it, these echoes from from one's childhood. As it's a long weekend, today on the show, we're going to look back at one of our past interviews as best-selling author Jasper Ford sits down with the Informer's executive producer, Arian Potts as they discuss his speculative fiction, geek culture, Brexit, the Royals, and his career working in film. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm a bit of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of speculative. I'm fantasy. I'm kind of all, all over the place. But I, I kind of like to call it speculative fiction because I, have, um, I write by, by a uh, sort of a concept that I call the narrative dare, mm. where essentially is I think up a, a weird concept mm-hmm. like you know um humpty dumpty was murdered you yeah. know you know discuss <laughs> um or you know explain the porridge and the three bears why it was at different temperatures when it was poured at the same time or write a story about um somebody who can travel inside books mm-hmm. you know a world order based on visual color or more early riser my latest one write a thriller set in a world in which humans always hibernate yes so so i think it's a kind of speculative kind of fiction with Early Riser, you certainly went in a different direction than mm. your first series, Thursday Next, mm. but still in similar sort of themes, you know, uh, similar similar geography, um, and hmm, I don't know how to put it. There's the voice that you have as a writer that mm. that certainly comes through, mm. and I kind of see them as as going together in a way because mm. they're exploring these really unusual ideas. I don't know in a similar way. Mm. Yeah, and this uh, well, I mean, I suppose they would be because because it's me writing it. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean this is I mean this is actually a, a, it's a very interesting question because I think when you're when you're um, in any sort of creative endeavour, you're kind of exporting your worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're a photographer or an artist, you know, a musician, a writer, and you have this way that you look at the world. And 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 even though the Thursday Next World, which is a, a world which is a sort of parallel world to ours, with where people love literature that much more, um, it, it's kind of a world that I kind of like. You know, but I, I can also see that that world, although it'd be nice in a lot of ways, um, would still be flawed. You know, mm-hmm. because humans are, you know, ultimately you know, flawed. Um, and I think that's the same with the early riser world. It's, it's looking at this slightly off kilter, different way of looking at things that still has very human flaws in it that you can, you can pull the drama out of. A lot of your characters come from the outside of their community. They're mm. either, they just don't fit in with mm. where they're at and they're struggling to work within that world. What, mm. what sort of drives that theme for you? Um, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a sort of a trope that works quite well in storytelling from you know from you know strict sort of narrative point of view is, is to say you know the, the whole fish out of water someone slightly on the margins someone has to prove themselves someone who has to make mistakes someone who has to, who's who's forced into decisions um that they perhaps don't want to make 
And I think that that, um, that slight reluctance, you know, adds, adds a certain frisson um, to them. In a book I did called Shades of Grey, there's a character named Eddie Russett, and all he wants to be is like a, a sort of um, average. You know, he does not want to make waves at all and (laughs) finds himself sort of pulled into this sort of you know broader sort of struggle for freedom and I kind of I kind of like that that Mm -hmm. idea it's kind of um, it's kind of Cary Grant in North by Northwest you know all of a sudden he's yeah he's he's like this this ordinary guy who's like thrown into this extraordinary situation and and I think that's I think that's nice because a lot of for for readers it's exciting it's this journey of discovery but I think we're always I think as readers and as humans we're always slightly adrift you know because we've got this undiscovered country in front of us we can't see you know we're traveling through time but we're traveling backwards you know we can see where we've been but we yeah. can't see where we're going and that's like really frustrating you know and if you were driving cars that way it'd be you know very dangerous so so i think there's that that sense of you know what happens next you know how is it going to get really bad is it you know going to what's going to happen so i i think from a narrative point of view i like it and also you know and i i may appear as a being a sort of and sound like a sort of really sort of confident person now but when i was a kid i was very much you know on the outside you know i wasn't part of the the clique at school mm-hmm. you know desperate to belong you know to the fashionable you know kids at school um, uh, and i think maybe that's also that's part of it these echoes from from one's childhood there certainly is sort of a huge influence from sort of geek culture if mm. i may mm. and i th- is that something that a lot of your fans relate well to? I think so. I mean, the thing I, I really like about, you know, fa- fantasy, sci-fi, you know, th- those sort of genre readers is they, ha- they have an immensely elastic imagination. And, and I love that. And that's why I, I think, you know, my readers are very special readers or <laughs> readers who, who really like this sort of fiction. I really, really like them because, like, it's anything goes. And they have this wonderful, expansive imagination and, and acceptance. And I think, um, I think there's a sense of when you're, um, you have that you know, very expansive imagination, you, when you're, you're brought up on fantasy and sci-fi, you have this wonderful inquiring mind. You know, there's nothing closed off to you. Mm. You know, you love stuff. Uh, and I think, you know, if there is the, the, I'm not sure I like the geek word or, you know, nerd or anything like that. But I think it's, um, you, you love stuff, people who mm-hmm. love stuff. And I love stuff. You know, I yep. love, you know, all different sort of things, whether, whether it's technology or future tech or it's, you know, Carmen Miranda in her fruit hat. You know, it, it's, you know, it's all these things. I just mm. love it because it's all part of this, you know, amazing rich tapestry, you know, of, of existence, of human existence, which is, you know, I think celebratory all the time, no matter what it is. Yeah, um, you know, geek is, a, I think, easy shorthand, but yeah. it sounds like you're saying that it's more about people who are supremely curious yeah. and interested in exploring yeah, yeah, other things. Yeah, absolutely. And whose mind is not, is not fixed. You know, that's the most wonderful thing about an inquiring mind, you know. Mm. And, and, yeah, that you can, you can sort of look at something somewhere and you can be brought up to have some views in some way. But if, if somebody says, hey, have you ever thought so-so? You go, wow, yeah, I never thought of that way. And then all mm. of a sudden your mind has changed. You know, and that for me is, you know, one of the, you know, something major that we, we need to, you know, get into society is this fact that you can change your mind and you can be wrong about things. And it's OK to say my mind has changed. I am totally now on board with this new way of thinking. And um, sadly, we don't seem to have that so much. Mm. We need more of it. In your Thursday Next series, which was your first series of eight uh, seven. seven. Seven at the moment. At, the, at moment. the moment. Yeah, there'll, oh. be a, there'll be an eighth, I think. Because seven, seven is a, like a, it's a, it's a, it's an annoying number, isn't it? Seven books in a series. Yeah, that's why I was... Yeah, it's got to be eight. Yeah. It's, it's a nice round number. Hmm. <laughs> and your books also don't have a chapter 13, it seems. No. But you don't. had a 13th book. 
Yes, I did. I, I should have not had a 13th book, but I couldn't really do that. Maybe my 13th book isn't my 13th book. It's actually my 14th book that I haven't read my 13th book, re- written my 13th book. So many people say, how many books have you written? I should actually say 15, not 14. Yeah. Good thought. I'm going to use that. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, so without trying to project too much of my own worldview onto you, mm. um, in the Thursday Next series, which I'm speaking about because it's the one that I've read the mm. most of, um, I find your books really rich um Mm. i read quite a bit and so Mm. i can generally read fairly quickly but when i read your books i have to slow down because Mm. there's so much richness of the language Mm. and there's so much wordplay that if you know if you if you miss two sentences it 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 kind of starts to get Mm. challenging so um that that richness is really lovely because it forces you to appreciate what you're reading Mm. and take that time and really explore the world that's being created thank you but without projecting too much of my worldview, um, in the Thursday Next series, there is quite a bit of camp in mm. some of the characters. Mm. For instance, Mrs. Havisham mm. is completely camp, as are yeah. the, the Mrs. Danver clones, yeah. the Danver clones. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, is that part about being curious around the world or repurposing some of these figures? Because in Great Expectations, Mrs. Havisham is pretty campy. I yeah. Mean, she's sitting around in her wedding dress for 40 years that's yeah <laughs> although intre- it's very interesting that she could actually be as as young as like 27 28 because oh. it's 10 years since she was abandoned and she could have been married uh, when she was 17 right because i think it's only the movies that actually give us this 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 old lady thing mm. um but anyway but i i think so yeah i mean uh, yeah i mean maybe it's not intention intentional but when you when you're writing you're kind of regurgitating everything that's ever you've ever absorbed you know and and certainly you know being you know brought up in the uk and the and the huge amounts of television mm-hmm. you know and, and the comedy that we got on tvs and i think it's a it's kind of more osmosis than being um than being sort of um intentional but i think that's that's the writing that i like to do and when i'm when i'm talking to people who, who want to be writers when i'm doing like master classes and I'm, I, I say what you're doing is trying to train yourself to really not think when you're writing you know <laughs> it's, it's got to come it's got to be intuitive and it's got to come out without touching the sides in whatever form it, it comes so yeah no i take i'm fully on board what you're, what you're saying but if you're asking me why i think the answer is no it, i don't know this is mm. this is my upbringing and this is what i find amusing and this is and it seems right you know, when you when you when you want to write something and you're saying, uh, was, is that going to work? You know, all these Danver clones, you know, and I think and it just seemed right. So mm. I thought, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it actually inspired me to read Rebecca. because ah, I want to figure go. out what exactly you're yeah. trying to get at with that reference. It's a, it's a good read, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, great. Read. It's not too long either. No, so no, it's, a, no, it's good. It's nice and snappy. And then I yeah. saw the film and suddenly the film made more yeah. sense. Yeah. And it's a book with a car chase, which I always mm. like. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now you just need to attack a gaslight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, that's true. Sort of the world, the word of the year. Yeah. Now with the Thursday Next series, they're set in eighties Britain. Yeah. Um, and you grew up in Wales. Mm-hmm. Well, um, sort of Wales, London, Devon, all kind of all over. Okay, the place. so yeah. just southern, yeah, Great Britain. Yeah. Um, why that time period? Well, at the time, I I was writing. I started writing it in '95. Yeah. And and although the book that you start out to write is not the book that you end up with, mm-hmm. right? So when I was initially starting to write it, I I had the idea that it was it was a now it can be told story, 
right? You know, where you'd say, do you remember when, you know, Jane Eyre had a different ending? Mm-hmm. You know, what was that all about? And then you go, well, and then you tell this story. So I had this kind of um, uh, name of the rose beginning um, to, the, to the book originally where, where, you, where we have a much, much older Thursday next explaining this kind of story and that all went by the by. Um, but I wanted it to be, so, to be told in sort of retrospection. Mm-hmm. And it was an arbitrary 10 years previous to when I was writing the book, which 95 then becomes 85. Sure. And, and it, was, it was that simple, really. Okay. Yeah. So there's no particular reason why it's, it's set in the 80s. I just did not want it to be contemporary, mm. you know. Well, I was thinking about it as, as an outsider from the UK, that it might have been a reaction to Thatcherite Britain and mm. that time period because, you know, the People's Republic of Wales, mm. or is it the Socialist Republic of Wales? Uh, Socialist Republic of Sorry. Wales. <laughs> yeah. um, you've got that and then almost, I don't think any mention of the royals no i don't think so more, no. no and a more democratic britain than we yeah. see today yeah so yeah. with that time of of huge economic change mm. but yeah and it was it's yeah it was kind of kind of a weird one and i didn't it, it, sometimes you think well and you, you have you're right it's set in britain you know what am i going to use what am i going to play with what am i going to and and the royals didn't seem to to enter it and i think that there might be some reference somewhere where they were Maybe sent off to Canada at the beginning of the war and got torpedoed, or or just liked it and set up a, set, had just enjoyed it in Newfoundland so much they stayed, or something like that. I think there's some bizarre reference somewhere, but I just sort of left them out of it, really. Mm. Um, I I don't know why, but I just didn't didn't want to do anything with it, and I don't think they appear in any of the books. Right. Yeah. Although d- dispossessed aristocracy do turn up in Early Riser. Yes. Yeah, which Very is which so. I think is really quite funny. I quite like that. Mm. We'll now return to our interview with best-selling author Jasper Ford, who sits down with the Informer's executive producer Arian Potts as they discuss his speculative fiction, geek culture, Brexit, the Royals, and his career working in film. Moving toward things that are a little bit more contemporary, mm. um, your home country is going through a constitutional crisis of yeah. extreme measures, and it's challenging for people on all sides. No one seems to have any consensus about what's going on with Brexit. Mm. But aside from all of that and the leave and remain stuff, how do you how do you maintain hope when you're faced with the situation that is so... Mm. It, no matter what your view on it, I think it's just so um, overwhelming. It's, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really hard one, and we were, we were talking about this earlier. And and I I have this. I think in general I'm a sort of optimistic, and I always I have this sort of sort of saying that you know in in every in every car wreck there's always a usable bolt, you know, and 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 out of and out of the car wreck that is that is Brexit, there must be something that's going to come out of it that is that is usable. You know, going forward into whatever this world, this you know, this this world of extremes that we seem to be entering, um, and I, and I've noticed, you know, and certainly, you know, I think it's changed me certainly over the whole Brexit thing. Certainly, realizing, you know, how how much, um, you know, racism and xenophobia there is in the United Kingdom, and mm. and how we were kind of kind of um, beguiled into this notion that we were in a you know modern pluralist society and, and we weren't mm. and and I think there's a, a way in which I, I think certainly people I know and me uh, are re-examining what it is to be British you know and 
before, you know, even 10 years ago, you know, I think a lot of people thought, well, yes, I think, you know, the average Briton, you know, is generally a good people, eight foot high, you know, certainly worth at least, you know, two, two Frenchmen and three Spaniards and all this sort of stuff. And and now we're kind of reappraising that, you mm. know, and we're saying, you know, oh, are we the are we the bad guys? You know, and this is very interesting. And this is also coming out of um, um, academic. There are now academic papers who are, who are looking at, um, you know, appeasement, looking at the run up in the 30s and all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff. And, you know, and I, I, I don't think we're going to look very good out of it. And I think that's that is healthy, you know, because it's this reappraising of this notion of the, you know, this sort of arrogant, uh, you know, British. Um, and that might be helpful in the long run. But um, short term, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't look good, I must say. And and uh, I don't know whether you want to talk. To, the next book I'm doing is is my Brexit anger book. Oh, really? And this is all about. Um, it's called uh, the Constant Rabbit, uh, and it's um, the premise is that um, that 55 years ago, um, 18 rabbits were, were had an an anomalous anthropomorphic anthropomorphizing event right so ordinary rabbits became six foot high and could talk you know wore tunics um and could drive cars and did all sorts of things that you know humans and rabbits did so this Mm -hmm. sort of you know and and writing books about talking animals is is always good fun yeah um and then we uh and that's what happened but then the book is set uh in 2021 uh where there are 1.2 million rabbits and a family of them move in uh next door to in this little village um, in middle England. And of course, the, the talk instantly is, um, well, you know, they breed. <laughs> so there's this kind of uh, riff on uh, xenophobia, on racism, on fragility, um, hominid supremacists come into the story. Um, and it's kind of really sort of my take on and, and, and complicity, you know, complicity in a racist society. And it's all about that told through the, the eyes of rabbits. I, I describe it as Watership Down meets District 9. And my way of looking at it. And, and I think this is the way sort of, you know, I'm dealing with it. I should be dealing with it better. I should be doing on marches and throwing mm-hmm. bottles through windows, but I'm far too polite for that. Um, so, you know, and, and it, then you become perhaps maybe part of the, the, the dialogue. And I, I kind of think that writers should not be preachy because that, that's really boring and there's always pushback if you're preachy. Um, but there is this sort of, you know, um, cloud of collective consciousness you know that gathers above all of us mm-hmm. and as, as an author you can just sort of like maybe huff it in the direction you know that you want to go that you want to go you know sort of celebration of diversity or you know social inclusion and you just want to push it that way just a tiny bit you know you know um but uh the most you can hope for mm. you know i've got a really left field question for yeah, you go on. so everyone's had dreams about the queen like everyone has had a dream about the queen. Well, in in reality, you mean? Yeah. I I, I do you know what I do not think I've ever dreamt about the queen. I have to confess. But oh. anyway, carry on. So it's like a it's like a thing. It's like the most dreamed about person. Yeah. Okay. I've I've read that somewhere, or I've made it up. Okay. No, yeah, that's maybe I made lot. it up in a dream. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Elizabeth has been such a figurehead mm. of of British culture and society, mm. and she's in her mid nineties now. And mm. won't be with us too longer. Mm. That's going to represent a huge mental change in people in the UK mm. when she passes, and suddenly we have King Charles and Queen Camilla. Mm. Do you have any thoughts about that? I don't really have many. I I, I don't have any, too many thoughts. I, I the, yeah, the royalties, you know, sort of uh, peculiarities of my tribe, perhaps best mm. described. Like you know, like the C of E, 
Um, I I don't know really. I mean, it's it depends which way it goes. I mean, it's it's worrying because the the nationalism um, that we have at the moment, this you know sort of you know almost sort of you know British supremacism that we have. Um, and that then there'll be this sort of patriotic outpourings as well, you know, mm. and that I don't think ever ends particularly well. But um, but I did notice on the news this morning that um, uh, Prince Harry is actually opening his own car door and closing it again, you know, which right. is a major breach right. of protocol, apparently. So if he can open his own car door, I mean, this this is like it's, you know, we have clearly have nothing to fear, mm. you know, but it's it's kind of joke, but it's kind of it's a the royalty is kind of rather bizarre. Oh, definitely. Um, I, d- I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Who, who, mm. who knows? But it might be a good opportunity for Australia to turn into a republic, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when Another referendum. Ma- Madge goes. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably fairly likely. I just don't see mm. King Charles, <laughs> Queen Camilla. King Charles doesn't work really because it just, it just, you just always think of the breed of dog, don't you, when you say King Charles <laughs> like that? You know, you think of the little starty eyes and the sort of earnest look and it, it just doesn't work, does it? Mm. Yeah. And I sort of ask about that because it will be just a big outpouring of emotion and mm. a very unusual time. Mm. Um, and I think as someone who's quite perspe- perceptive, that mm. it, it might be a really interesting time to explore mm. because we saw what happened with Diana. Yeah. And then it'll be a different kind of emotional breakdown at that time. Like, I'm certain that we'll get a day off here in Australia. Yeah, I must say, do you know, I mean, it's not a subject that ever comes up in conversation in the UK. I must mm. say, it is not, to people I know, it is not on the forefront of our minds. Um, and it's, I suppose, what do I think is going to happen? A huge outpouring of grief, emotion, blah, blah, blah. And then, mm. you know, we'll be on to, you know, I'm a celebrity, get out of get out of here, you know, um, series nine. <laughs> so I, 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 people are easily distracted. And yep. it will be the, the moment. And then we'll move on. And as it as one does. Hmm. Well, I like to worry and plan ahead. It comes from growing <laughs> up in earthquake country. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah. always thinking about the next disaster. Yeah. And just one more question on this mm-hmm. royal topic. Um, so there was a film and a, pl- or the, a play and a TV film a couple of years ago called King Charles III. Mm-hmm. And in it, it's when Charles takes over after Elizabeth passes. And he starts a constitutional crisis by refusing to, he withholds royal assent for a bill that's been passed by parliament. Mm -hmm. And it's about reducing the freedom of speech in the media. So allowing people to sue or to have publications be stopped if they're publishing defamatory content. And it goes against his core values. And it's this whole interplay between Charles and uh, Kate and Camilla and mm. and such and it ends up sparking a full-on constitutional crisis and he gets under pressure to abdicate mm. to a next generation because he is so unpopular and has to cope with being unpopular hmm. I like the sound of that yeah so it was on yeah the, no I didn't I didn't see this it was on the BBC a few years ago yeah, and I actually no. saw a production in Seattle which yeah. was odd to see Americans doing yeah doing, <laughs> doing royals royals yeah yeah but it just you know, that struck me as kind of similar to what's happening now with the, the high court in Scotland. Yeah. Well, the, we're, in, we're in so much, um, in, in Brexit, we're in so much uncharted territory right now. The, the pre- precedents are being broken continually. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, because we don't have a, con- uh, a constitution that is written down, it's, it's based on precedent. Mm. You can break it, and all these things are, are, are being broken. And now, now they're suggesting that, um, which is a sort of, you know, weaponizing, I suppose, the sort of that royalty uh, thing, is that, um, that uh, Boris Johnson misled the Queen. If that is the case, if the Supreme Court um, upholds the Scottish courts on Tuesday, um, it will be, you know, yes, you've misled the Queen into asking her to um, uh, prorogue Parliament. So all sorts of things are going on Mm. again and again. And almost every day there's some new strange, you know, thing that's going on that we've never heard of before. And Mm. half of me thinks, thinks, well, you know, this is sort of mammoth shake-up and there must be some usable bolt in this this car wreck. Um, And I'll just, you know, hang on to that. You know, hope. I think. Yep. Mm. What are you reading now? What am I reading? Um, I think I'm uh, reading at the moment. I've I've been actually I've been trying to put the um, the constant rabbit to bed, uh, but I was reading a book about um, uh, intelligence in octopuses. Yeah. And I read I read quite a lot of nonfiction mm-hmm. actually, uh, and um, just because it's it's very interesting and and I want to know what's going on with you know research and things about. Um, uh, octopus intelligence is is fascinating because it, it it asks all kind of questions about um, alien intelligence because intelligence has evolved twice on this planet. Good intelligence, sound mm-hmm. intelligence has evolved twice because our, our 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 common ancestor with an octopus was a kind of little sort of little nematode of some variety, you know, which was six hundred million years ago. <laughs> so you know, and you think, well, you know, dogs are clever and horses are clever and dolphins are clever, but you know we have quite close relatives yeah. so that's quite and the avian intelligence is an, another big one because they they're very different separate branch and and that to me is you know fascinating and octopus you know what's not like about octopus intelligence mm. yeah it's just a pity they have such short lifespans yeah yeah it is a shame um but um no but they're um they're kind of cool actually they're kind of cool i like them do you get a lot of inspiration for your writing from Nonfiction. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's all kinds of all kinds of things that, that pops in, whether it's Neanderthals or dodos, mm-hmm. or um, uh, vortex cannons, or uh, nuclear piles, or anything like that. There's always some. I'm just interested in stuff, and I've always mm-hmm. been interested in stuff. Um, you know, whenever, whenever I'm sort of wandering around and looking at things, and like I notice that you have a cough button, um, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff is really groovy and wonderful, and and I, I love all that input, and, and and all of it can be used at some point. I figure in books, mm-hmm. and I just have this mind a bit like a sort of drift net, and things catch in it, uh, and then I can use them later um, to uh, to have fun with with what I'm writing. Um, in Early Riser, there's um, there's a nice little subplot about. Um, the uh, during the winter, the human sleeps through this very dark, cold winter. There is a mythology that's built up around the winter, and these creatures that live in the in the winter. And um, one of them is called the Gronk, um, mm. who, who I, I really like, who um, feeds on the shame of the unworthy. Um, and this is a, this is a, a mixture of like a sort of uh, Moomin Troll, which was a you know Tove Janssen series, which is spectacular and I read when I was a kid. And another part of it is from a, a comic book I read once and and you you take all these little bits from here there and everywhere and kind of repackage them and change them and merge them and move them and and you end up with something new and exciting Mm. so yeah i I mean i just i just read a lot um i like input that was our interview with best-selling author jasper ford this has been the informer daily and we'll be back bringing you lgbtiqa plus news and current affairs around australia and the world
The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.